Man, I love this season so much. And, and so I'm going to just kick it off um, with a, a history lesson. And before I get to that history lesson, I want to read my favorite excerpt from the book of U2 from St. Bono. Uh, I realize everybody under the age of 30 doesn't know who Bono is anymore, which makes me sad. But This is Bono, lead singer of U2, coming back off tour. He says, I remember coming back from a very long tour on Christmas Eve. I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral. It had dawned on me before, but it really sank in, the Christmas story. The idea that God, if there is a force of love and logic in the universe, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough. That it would seek to explain itself and describe itself by becoming a child born in straw poverty. A child. I just thought, wow, the poetry of it. Unknowable love, unknowable power, describes itself as the most vulnerable. There it was. I was sitting there and tears came down my face and I saw the genius of this. Utter genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this. Because that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. He's talking to this interviewer. Love needs to find form. Love needs to find form. Love needs to find intimacy. Love needs to be whispered. To me, it makes sense. It's so logical, pure logic. Essence has to manifest itself. It's inevitable. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. It's pretty good. This is what we are preparing for this Advent season. I want to show you a map. This is, uh, next slide. This is Laodicea. You can see really small there, the red box. Laodicea is an ancient city. Um, and uh, it is located here in the western part of Turkey. In 17 AD, there was a massive earthquake that devastated the city of Philadelphia. Uh, not obviously the Philadelphia here in the United States. Just make sure we're tracking 17 AD. In order to rebuild this Roman outpost, Rome had these outposts all around the ancient world. Um, uh, in order to rebuild this, Philadelphia had to accept these central funds. So fast forward then a few decades to 61 AD, and there was another massive earthquake. And this hit all of the southernmost cities in what is again now called Turkey. And Laodicea was one of these cities that got hit hardest. And very famously, the city refused help from the central pot of Rome. They were the original libertarians. Really, though, what was going on is they were rich enough and wealthy enough to not worry about it. And it became a point of like definitive pride, like citywide pride. We can take care of ourselves. Thank you very much. Which tells us one of the most important things that we need to know about this city. It stood at the junction of one of the most important trading routes, so it benefited from all this regular traffic. All sorts of people coming through, establishing commerce. A few things you need to know. Kids, if you're taking notes, just write the word bank. Bank. Say, Mom, I need more bank. This was the center of the, bank, the banking capital of the whole region. Number two, med school. It was a renowned, there was a renowned medical school that specialized in the healing of the eyes. Um, the phrase is, I'm going to say this wrong, I worked on this, ophthalm ophthalmology. 
Did I get that right, med students? Sweet. Healing of the eyes. Laodicea was a like key place to get a hold of this particular popular eye powder that was like all the rage that was actually helping people see. There's a whole backdrop to that. I don't have time for. And then lastly, so it's banking center, major trade route, incredibly popular med school where they were pushing out this eye powder that was popular and helping people be able to see. And then there were the local farmers in Laodicea that had developed a particular breed of black sheep whose wool was especially fine quality. It seems to have launched like a whole fashion industry. Clothes that were made from Laodicean wool were sought after. We found inscriptions all over, all over ancient Rome pointing back to this particular wool. There's one thing though the city did not have going for it, and it was relatively critical, and this was water. Next slide. This is some ancient ruins from Laodicea now. Next slide. Next slide. There we go. So here's Laodicea, and there's the Heriopolis, and there's Colossae. These are two uh, very well-known cities. First off, uh, we have uh, Colossae. Or sorry, we'll start with Heriopolis. So Heriopolis was located north of Laodicea, um, and it was um, really the one, so you can see that river really quick running through the Lycus River. At this day, time and age, we, day and age, we know that the river, even in the summer, would basically dry up. There was very, very little water that was going to this. There were very few other sources. So in the Hierapolis, the one to the north there, um, it had these hot springs. And in fact, to this day, if you go to this area, next slide, these hot springs are now channeled, next slide, these, these slides are, ch are actually channeled into popular hotel regions. Next slide. Where people can actually enjoy this like incredibly beautiful, hot, bubbling, like white mineral deposit water that is actually visible from miles around. In the first century, they would build these aqueducts that would bring this water across Laodicea into the valley four or five miles away. There's still ruins of these aqueducts today. I don't know if we have a picture of that or not. In fact, you can still see the insides are hardened with all of this mineral deposit. By the time it got to Laodicea, the water, it was not in any way hot. It was, in fact, it wasn't really cold. It was just sort of lukewarm. And in addition, all these concentrated chemicals made it completely undrinkable, unless you were trying to use it for medicinal reasons, trying to make yourself sick. Okay, secondly, if you go back to the map really fast, you have Colossae. Now, Colossae um, had a serious water supply, even though it experienced the same earthquake. It just hadn't rebuilt. And it flowed from these high snow-capped mountains, Mount Cadmus, these fast-flowing, chilly streams um, that were almost alpine quality. You can go to the next slide here. You should be able to see the mountaintop. There it is. And then next slide. And so these, um, to this day, again, you can see where they have channeled this beautiful alpine quality water to the city of Laodicea. But it was so far, the normal Turkish heat meant that it too became lukewarm. So the strange reality of the city is that they could water, they had water they could get at, but the hot water was cooled down and the cold water was heated up. And so with all of that information, that fun little history lesson I'm sure you were so excited about the first week of Advent, I want to invite you to turn to Revelation 3. 
write this to the angel of the Lord in Laodicea. This is a letter, this prophetic letter coming from Jesus to, through, through John, through this city. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. These are the words of Christ. This is a true testimony and critique I'm giving. The beginning of God's creation. I know your works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I am going to vomit you. All the kids say vomit. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, right, think back to our quick history lesson. I'm rich. I've done well. I don't need anything. This, it was like the ethos of the culture had gotten on to the Christians. The church here was impacted in a way that was not good. <laughs> you say, I'm rich, I'm well, I don't need anything. This was the ethos of the whole city. But you don't know that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, and blind. This is my advice to you. Buy from me gold that is refined in the fire that'll make you rich. Like where you're getting your riches from. And then white clothes to cover yourselves. Why white? Right, I, I, I'm not sure how much punch, how much sarcasm, but it's so fascinating. The city's known for this black wool. It's like you're clothing yourself with the fashion of the day. And then he references white, which is like holy. It's the baptismal robe. It's the like return to your first love. Like remember when you were, when you first stepped out of the waters to cover yourself and prevent your shameful nakedness being seen. Like you don't realize the healing you need. And also healing ointment to put on your eyes that you will be able to see. All right, clearly this history lesson was important. I love, I, I texted my wife the other day as I was preparing for this message. I'm like, I love the Bible so much. Just a little bit of back knowledge. And you're like, these are direct shots these aren't arbitrary. It's like, you guys are so good at healing, like your physical eyesight, you are missing out and not seeing clearly. You, you, you clothe yourself and you're wrapped up in your own like fashion and riches and provision. You need to get back to what is like a pure form of clothing yourself. And again, he's not talking literal here. Or maybe he is a bit. You are, you, you're, enamored with your own wealth and dependence and you need gold that comes from me and then you're lukewarm I wish you were either hot or you're cold just like the streams that are flowing in to your city you know all about this you know all about eyesight you know all about clothing you know all about wealth and dependence and you know all about the scarcity and the luke or the lukewarmness around your water supply, and he goes, Church of Laodicea, in part, you are apathetic. You are apathetic. You think you have everything you need. By the way, the, the end of this part of the section just has 
says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I say that to you and I say that to me. This letter written to this ancient city where a bunch of Christians had gotten super dependent. Super dependent on themselves and on their own riches and on their own supply. Find themselves hearing these incredibly strong words from Jesus. I Man, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Smug, the well-off attitude of the town had rubbed off on everybody. I keep reading here. When people are my friends, I tell them when they're in the wrong, and I punish them for it. So stir up your spirits and repent. Look, or a lot of translations say, behold, I'm standing here knocking at the door. If anyone comes, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them and eat with them and they with me. This will be my gift to the one who conquers. I will sit them beside me on my throne just as I conquered and sat with my father on his throne. Let the one who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to these churches. For all the heavy rebuke, for all the like, new folks who came through church and were like, oh my gosh, God vomiting people out of his mouth because they're not behaving right. This is everything I hate about church. What I love here is the qualifier for this disgust and for this anger and this wanting to stir up the church again. What is it? Why does God bother doing this? Why is God getting angry? Because why? Did you catch it in there? The church of Laodicea are his friends. They're his friends. I love you. It's funny that you get some of the harshest language in the whole Bible towards the church in the exact same passage where you get some of the most intimate and beautiful promises. Like delicate promises. Like come and eat with me. Look, I'm standing here knocking at the door. Guys, I've heard so many, so many passages, so many sermons and talks on this verse, and they all encourage like the listener to open the door of their hearts and, and, and like let Jesus in for the first time, which is absolutely wonderful and vital and necessary, but that is not what this passage is about. We can use it in that way. It's true of God's spirit, but the one knocking on the door is the master of the house returning at an unexpected hour. And while the one who should open the door is the servant who stayed awake, it's the, it's the person who actually is alert to see the God who comes. Our job is simply to welcome Jesus in. And so I just, I was, I was trying to imagine Like this idea of, of what it must like sound like. <laughs> you can see me through here. Just like hearing, like, behold, hey, hey, look, I'm just knocking at the door. Jesus calls the church at Laodicea, friends. I'm your, I'm your friend. Guys, I want you to wake up. 
I want to stir you up. Why am I angry at you? It's because I'm your friend. St. Saint, Saint Teresa of Avila said, God, um, this is why you don't have a lot of friends, because you get really angry at them. What she was saying was, is because there's a lot of people who don't really want love. They just want to be tolerated and left alone and live the despondent, apathetic life. What she was saying is like, yeah, yeah, to really be friends is to let him in. His mercy and his grace and his desire to make you whole again, every part of you. It's just the knocking. And what do we do? Like, what do we do? What do I do? I won't put it on any of y'all. I busy my life or distract myself or just con frankly like just move at a pace or a speed that I don't have to hear this. I don't have to hear this. I'm just knocking at the door, Andrew. Andrew, I'd like you to let me into the house in this way. I'd like, I'd like you to let me in. I'd like you to let me in. When grace and mercy and love and generosity, a God that a love that actually cares enough to discipline us and to shake us. Well, when we actually quiet ourselves long enough to hear the knock, I mean, when that when that door opens up, <laughs> when that door opens up, I mean, what a all any of you who've had those moments throughout your life who have actually allowed God into a particular area that was hard or an area of sin or an area of brokenness or an area of loneliness or again, specific to this text, an area of apathy where Jesus has become lifestyle tag on and not the center of your being. We know the great joy and overwhelming life that floods in even as we experience God's refinement. And what's so beautiful to end is we find out years later that the church of Laodicea, like one of the biggest like major councils lands here. We find out that the church actually explodes in this area. It seems as though Laodicea did not keep on sinning so grace will increase. No, 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 no. It seems as though the church at Laodicea actually heard the call and the rebuke and heard the knocking and returned to their first love. Put those white robes on and says, we, we actually do need the Lord for all the ways that we are wealthy and fine and good, for all the ways we've made progress, right? Like this current generation right now, right? This current cultural moment. One of the biggest boasts is we have made more progress in humanity in this moment than ever before. The ways that we have pushed the needle forward and are on the right side of history, this is a cultural sentiment. And yet never before statistically has a culture been this broken and jacked up. It was like they were blind and they were naked and they were lost and they didn't realize it. And the gift of the God of the universe just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. I'm just here. I'm just here knocking. And so I want to invite us for a moment here to take a breath and to let these two more, um, more obscure verses of O Little Town of Bethlehem, verses where the writer is tapping in 
to the God who comes, the God who we've been talking about as the host, but the God who is also the guest. The God who is the master of the house, but wants to be let in and welcomed to the table, who will not force himself on any of us, who stands at the door and knocks. Advent. Advent is to quiet ourselves and to hear the God who knocks. And to begin to ask, Lord, where do I need to let you in?